Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. I was going to try and practice like a speech and be perfect tonight, but that's not me and that's not who I want you guys to be. You know, I want you to be yourselves. I've, I've been in your shoes and tonight is scary. I know some of you are nervous. Some of you guys came out fully prepared. I appreciate every one of you who took time out of your lives to be here. The quarantine sucked, right? (laughs) It was worth it. Thank you. (laughs) But ultimately, I appreciate you guys being here. I'm here because I believe in this, and I hope you're here because you believe in it as well. 
And so all I ask is that you be yourself because that's the only way this is going to work. And step out of your comfort zone because also this is weird. All right. <laughs> so raise a glass and we'll cheers to, uh, to love. Cheers. <laughs> Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and we are back in season. (laughs) (laughs) Season 17 of The Bachelorette, and Clues is opening his eyeballs wider than I've ever seen in my life. It has begun. We have tonight. Just watched night one of season 17 of The Bachelorette. This is the first time we have seen Katie Thurston, who was knocked out of season 25 in 11th place, wear the crown for our entertainment. She has, I would say, the best third audience game of any player in the history of the game because she was knocked out in such a low place, but given the crown nonetheless. Or is that the best fourth audience of all time? No, there are people who don't like her in the fourth audience. There are very vocal people in the fourth <laughs> audience who do not like her. But whatever she did, whatever bargains she struck with the producers, however she played that third audience, she got them to anoint her with the crown. And now we are seeing the first moments of the fruits of that third audience labor. And pretty good. I gotta say, pretty good. I loved it. I know there were whatever quote-unquote reports that there was too much female energy or whatever i don't care i loved it didn't miss dlh at all i didn't miss him specifically at all either i missed a little bit of the functionality the hosting role that was stripped away in this kind of like whatever this interim thing is they're doing but i agree with you didn't miss him at all and i will tell you this about katie thurston she is selling this you thought she was a good player. <laughs> Look at this. Look at what she's doing as a lead. She's saying things like, oh, these decisions were really hard for me to make about who's going to stay tonight and blah, blah, blah. It's like you don't make any of those decisions. You get to decide the Fempros and who your top two or three players are. Everything else is decided by producers. And she's believably selling that idea in her speeches. We'll get to that at the end. That's, that was right before the rose I mean- ceremony. That was my favorite of her speeches, that line where she's like, look, it doesn't have any indication of your value as a person. Like, she sold that so hard. It was for TRR. Loved it. She's astounding as a lead, I think. And all we're going to get from her all season long is the textbook moments you need a lead to do. I'm here for the right reasons. My husband's in this room. If you're not here for the right reasons, get the fuck out. All the things that we need, she's giving Mm -hmm. us. It's all the things the producers need. That's why they picked her. They knew she would play the game and it would deliver a season that would remain true to that structure. Bristow 10.0, I say. She even gave us, which we see in the promos, uh, the, the fucking fence jump moment. Get me out of here. I am done. I am done. I am done. Yeah. Book me a flight home. That's our yeah. fence jump. We're going to see that clip in every fucking promo and be like, uh-huh. what the hell happened? Get her to that point. Is Brilliant. the flight home happening? Anyway, we're three and a half minutes <laughs> into this podcast now and all we are, we are just talking about how astounded we are with what we've seen. There's a lot to break down for you. Thank you for joining us for the season. We think this is going to be a great one, a historic one, certainly. 
because DLH is gone. But let's get into it, Pace Case. Oh, you know what? Before we get into it, let's just give a little personal yeah. information about how we're doing all this tonight. So uh-huh. we did our live <laughs> pregame show at 4.30 Pacific Standard Time. We usually do it at 7.30, right before it airs here at 8 o'clock. But we were like, mm-hmm. fuck it. Let's try and watch this earlier so we can record it earlier. I had massive technical troubles, was not able to do that. So I had to wait until 8 p.m. 7 p.m. rolls around. My cable goes out. My internet goes out. I got nothing. So we are doing all of this. I watched the entire program, <laughs> and we are now Zooming right now to make this episode via my cell phone hotspot. <laughs> That's how we're doing all this. It's like t- scotch taped together, duct taped together. My internet is still out. It's been out for like four hours. I can't believe we are on your hotspot right now. Hotspot, gimme, gimme, hotspot. Ooh, nice. your heart rough. A little Michael Todd reference. I did watch the East Coast feed. I was not able to pause it, so we'll see. We'll see how much information I have gathered. <laughs> that will be interesting. What yeah, a mess. Let's, let's see if there's some, uh, <laughs> some gaps. Hopefully I can fill them in. But thank you, everyone, for joining us for this historic occasion. And now it's time to give you what you came for. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Oh my god, this Katie Thurston intro package. Talk about selling it. We're selling it from minute one with this intro package. She's jumping up and down in her bed. She's looking at photos on this couch. You're going too fast. Too fast, too far. Oh, fuck. Let's just start with the first frame. Can we just start there? (laughs) What's the first frame, Clues? Tell us from your hotspot. (laughs) My my hotspot produced for me the ability to watch the first frame of this program. And the first frame was Uh Katie Thurston's shoed feet stepping on scattered rose petals. These are from the promotional shots of her as Bachelorette. She's got on like nice cocktail dressy kind of shoes and she's stepping on these rose petals. This is metaphorically telling us she's about to crush the fucking game. And as we are seeing then the next shots, we hear a voiceover. This season, get ready for a Bachelorette like we've never had before. And this voiceover is not Chris Harrison. I don't know who the fuck it is. It sounds like a guy's voice. It is not Chris Harrison. I would love to know who that VO person is because that it is a whole new tone for the show. Immediately, in the first like one second, you're like, who the fuck is that? What is going on here? And it does, at least to me, it felt different. You might not have noticed the different voiceover, but to me, I was immediately like, oh, fuck. You know fuck. how I am about sounds. Huh? In one year... <laughs> But not really in one year. You know, that's how I am about sound. <laughs> okay. Did how not notice. Did not notice at all. <laughs> DLH has been a clean lift from my life. Right. Take it from me. It was a different person. And there is, from this moment forward, no mention of Chris Harrison anywhere in this document of night one. He is just replaced in voiceover. And then obviously he's going to... Re- be replaced as a host by Tasha and Caitlin. But uh, that to me was striking because I, I was, that's a big question. It was for me anyway tonight. This is the first mm-hmm. season he's never hosted. How are they going to do it? 
And here, it's just some other person saying a version of what he would say in the beginning. Yeah, insert a man that kind of sounds like DLH, and those who are, you know, not able to pause it, maybe a little stressed out, won't even notice. <laughs> I would have noticed if it was Acho. Whoever it was, I liked his voice much better than Dark Lord Harrison's. There was like some gravel to it, some weight. It's like a movie kind of trailer voice, you know? I liked it for what it was worth. So after that first shot, let's get into it. <laughs> Katie, <Sorry>. Katie's <laughs> intro package. Can we talk about these ponder shots? Please. I felt like she was taking a little bit from the book of Hannah Brown with this sort of like goofy awkwardness as the lead. Like, wait, I'm the bachelorette. And then when they're shooting her in the doorway and she she says, people don't do this naturally. Like she's making fun of like pond, the idea of ponder shots, et cetera. It's so relatable. It's so... But so it's good. also, she's also selling us here. She's doing it. Fantastically, I agree. But the idea that she doesn't know how to take a photo. We've seen your social media, Katie. <laughs> You're an expert at all of this shit. She's like, she's got an ability to act in this kind of awkward 4TR manner that is like, obviously not exactly true, but she's selling it. She's conveying mm -hmm. the proper identity, which is like, I'm just goofy and down to earth. This is the archetype that she had from the the. Caitlin Bristow free spirit archetype that she had from season 25. She's now carrying it through here, even though she's got whatever 500 plus thousand Instagram followers or TikToks blowing up. It's like, it's all right. Okay. okay. You don't know how to take a picture standing against a wooden wall. Okay. <laughs> sure. She had 600 K going into tonight, but I bet oh, she's going to pick up 400 K tonight. <laughs> I famously made a bet with clues that she would get a million followers this week, but she might. She still has 48 hours to get it before we have to do Twibbon, which we will be bringing you this Thursday. And we're going to be talking about all the things that happened to everybody on Instagram, who the biggest movers and shakers were from tonight, and the ratings of this episode, which we will know by then as well. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, this promo was interesting, or this uh, opening segment was interesting. It, it does paint this idea that Katie Thurston is a little awkward. She talks about her family. She loads a PTC about her parents being divorced when she was a baby. We're going to see that come up later. Mm -hmm. You know that shit. Multiple PTCs. Parents divorced when she was a baby. She grew up poor. When she reflected on previous boyfriends, no one felt like her partner. Five different elementary schools. And a PTC, for those who may be joining us for the first time, is a personal, personal tragedy, tragedy card. card. These are stories that players or leads will use at some point in the course of the game to reveal something traumatic that has happened to them in their lives and then ultimately how they've overcome it or how it has made them a better person and how it is going to only positively affect any uh, future relationship they may have as a result. And her little intro segment ends with her basically saying that. She's ready for that kind of love that she's missing in her life. She then enters the Hyatt Regency Tamaya Resort and Spa, does a little I, I love, love Cleveland, Cleveland in her room. That's where the players enter whatever nice place they're staying at, and they, they look in awe and talk about all the amenities because they're so excited. This is based on 
<laughs> season 24, the I Love Cleveland, when they went to Cleveland, they all screamed with excitement and gave it a lot of compliments, complos. And as she opens the window, we get a quick montage of Katie doing some promotional material of the show, and then there's a certain shot that we see. It's some brush out in the New Mexico desert, and in that brush, two turkeys are strutting their stuff, and these turkeys (laughs) were my... Creature of the week. These turkeys had it all. They didn't give a fuck. They were like, yeah, come on, come shoot Bachelorette in my domain. We live out here in the scrublands of the New Mexico desert. This is turkey country. These turkeys were also my. Creature of the week. We're back, baby. I love that they're in a pair. That means love. Turkeys are sort of dorky, kind of going with this sort of goofy free spirit brand that Katie Thurston has going on. She's riding a bicycle by them, screaming, I'm a pro, as she, like, isn't a pro at bicycling. (sighs) I love this. (laughs) I love this moment. Katie kicks a giant tumbleweed and says, no dry bushes here. And then they start hitting that sex positivity hard. And that is the tone of Katie Thurston's identity. We get it. She is very (laughs) sex positive. She even says here in an ITM that she needs a guy who's comfortable with his sexuality and talking about it because if he's not, it's not going to fit in well with her or her family. And we're going to hear the words sex positivity used. I don't know how many times throughout this episode. Ten? A dozen? I'm not sure, but I get it. Not enough. Not enough for me. Clues too much. He's a prude. What? (laughs) (laughs) Can you hear me in the hotspot? (laughs) Then we get a shot from overhead. A beautiful drone shot of a car. An old sports car convertible. Driving down the road heading to the resort. It's a reference to Thelma and Louise as two women are clearly in this car throwing their hands out. And this is, again, a 30-year-old movie reference that the producers have shoehorned into this. This is obviously Tasha Adams and Caitlin Bristow coming to the resort. But this idea for this shot and for them to do the Thelma and Louise mimicry, that is all done by a producer. Probably the same one who had the idea to do a graduate thing for Claire Crawley season. There is no greater indicator that this reference was too old for this show than the question I wrote to myself here. Is this scene from a classic movie, Clues? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It is. The movie is Thelma and Louise. I had that vibe. It's a very famous movie. (laughs) Oscars were involved. But in the end of that movie, Thelma and Louise drive their car off a cliff and die together. Just FYI. On purpose? Yes. Are they lovers? No, they get embroiled in a kind of chase by the cops scenario. Because one of them Mm. is sexually assaulted by a man. She kills that man. And then they're basically on the Mm. run from the law. 
Well, it was a beautiful shot, regardless of whether references were understood by all. Definitely coordinated by the producers. They scream, Katie, here we come, and drop their kerchiefs at the same time. Their scarves. And Katie's getting ready, but she keeps hitting that she's going to go through this alone. How sad. But we know it's not true. I think she did, too. I think this is all a put on. I agree. I agree. But she sold it pretty well. We'll get to the point where they finally meet. But that ends this first portion. And this is the first portion in the history of our game that has zero Dark Lord Harrison in it. At least on a night one. Obviously, there was one episode that uh, Emmanuel Acho hosted. And there was an episode that Jojo Fletcher stepped in to host on season 16 of Bachelorette. But this is the first time in the history we've seen opening of night one, no DLH. And the tone of the show is a little different. It's like there are some structural things kind of not there. That host character isn't saying like, you know, Katie, you're the bachelorette. And now you've got to come to this hotel and meet your guys and let's see that, you know, that's not quite there. Mm -hmm. And they'll get into it a little bit with Tasha and Caitlin. But I don't think it necessarily is a bad thing. I, I mean, I like the structure of it just because that's how it's been set up for however long we're used to it. But this gives it a little bit more of like almost like a docu-series feel or something. It's a little looser around the edges, you know, which I find is kind of interesting. Yeah, I thought it was fun. I don't miss the the old structure. You think it would have been better if they had already been there gr- greeting her? Possibly. It's just like the role of the host is clearly diminished in this version. And I don't know if that's going to remain the case throughout the rest of the season or not. Mm-hmm. But like the amount of screen time that Caitlin and Tasha got, actually, they did get a fair amount of screen time. I was going to say it's less than Dark Lord, but I don't know if that's actually true. What do you mean? Dark Lord didn't get intercut jokes with every limo exit. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think, I think they may have gotten more. At any rate, it was just interesting to note to me at the end of that first portion. It's like, well, shit. All right. Dark Lord ain't in this, and this is what it's like now. I'm on board. It's fun. It's creative. It's kind of like yeah. the ultimate girl gang, I would say. <laughs> would you say that? There were so many like yeah. written fucking things by the producers of this, I and I was just like, Jesus Christ, don't make God. them say that. I know. There was another one that was worse. We'll get to it. Uh, portion number two. <laughs> in between the portions, did you have commercials in the thing you were watching? I, I didn't watch them. Oh. There was a commercial for the celebrity dating game, and Hannah Brown is in an episode. The Beast. FYI, Beast is back. Portion two. We start with the dream team, the dynamic duo, Caitlin Bristow and Tasha Adams, talking about how they're going to surprise Katie, that she thinks she's doing this all alone, but she's not. Tasha calls them the ultimate girl gang, and Caitlin screams at that empty house, we're here for you. And then at the same time, they both yell, let's introduce the men. We nailed that. Again, this fun girl gang, ultimate girl gang energy. Yeah, they're laughing about this. They're like, let's introduce the men. Ha 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 ha. It's like this fun, lighter tone that we're just like, we're not used to that. Dark Lord Harrison doesn't deliver that. His is a more like somber kind of serious tone. They are having a blast. They're kind of getting to relive their bachelorette (laughs) days. And you can tell that that is what is going on here. And I think it works pretty well. 
and we start the intros section. We get some short little handheld videos from the guys traveling. Justin does a slam dunk and someone throws him a water ball. He says, I'm ready. Then the these little short videos give way to the larger intro videos that we're used to. And Connor B gets the first one. It starts with him naked in a bathtub playing a ukulele, I think. Maybe a tiny guitar. I don't know what that <laughs> instrument is. I think it's ukulele. Then we go to his grade school as he waves goodbye to his math students. He's a teacher, but he tells us he's a musician too. And he loves Katie standing up for herself and her confidence. And if you get one of these intro videos, it's usually a very good sign. If you get one of the first ones, it's usually a very, very good sign. So right off the bat, we kind of know Connor B is going to be one to watch. And we also will be watching to see if that ukulele appears again because we see that he has brought it with him to the resort. He plays it on the balcony. Intro number two goes to Carl Smith, the motivational speaker. He says he's a mover and a shaker. They loves to travel. We see him reading to some kids. He says his family is all married with kids. And he has made some art of him and Katie Thurston together. And this starts a run of Carl Smith being possibly the most prepared person who has come into this game. Yeah, he's not fucking around. He's hyper competitive. We're going to get to see that later throughout the entirety of night one, which I love. He's the player that I'm really Mm -hmm. like very interested in because I think his competitive spirit and his. You said this since his Instagram. Yeah, from his Instagram, I was wanting to see him. And, like, he's not disappointing me. He's laying the groundwork for a very interesting blaze of glory that's going to come in, like, episode five or six. I feel like he's going to (laughs) go completely insane at one point, and I can't wait. But then we get a couple more intro videos. We get Brennan from Toronto playing hockey. We get Andrew S., the Austrian football player. uh, He's speaking German in the mirror to himself. Uh, We get Mike, who was drafted to play pro baseball. I'm sorry. We cannot skip over Andrew S., He was one of my favorites from this episode. He is speaking German. He's doing some little dances, and he starts practicing his British accent. And behind him, we see there is a fake body that has been made out of a pillow, and it has a shopping bag on top with a smiley face drawn on it. I want to see these tapes. We are missing whatever he did with that fake body. (laughs) I don't know if he was role-playing, that it was Katie, and he's, like, practicing his intro. I have no idea, but I want to know more. The footage exists. He is, he is very interesting and does a really good colorful narrator this whole episode. Yeah, he was a fantastic colorful narrator. Uh, then we get Mike. He says he was drafted for baseball when he was 19. Sports have humbled him. And he's waiting for marriage. He loads that PVC. That's a personal Personal virginity virginity card. card, We also see that he's reading the Bible and he's wearing a cross. This is going to be our strong, strong Christian strategist this season. And we're going to see how far that gets him with Katie Thurston, who I believe is going to be very tolerant of his extreme religious views and keep him around for a little while longer. Because she's still got that amazing fourth audience game. Next intro goes to Justin. He's an investment sales consultant slash artist, and he sets up this thing where he is painting roses in a time lapse during his quarantine. I love this. He brought something specific into the game for the quarantine period that was super visual, that could be done with a voiceover, etc. 
And that he's ultimately going to cringle to Katie Thurston. And he's skilled. He's a good fucking artist. Stunning. Oh, yes. And the art is good. It would be funny if it was bad. Well, I mean, we've seen it. Hannah Celeste gave PP a uh, a painting on night one that was, I mean, Jesus Christ, it was not good. Let's be real. It was Still good. served uh, the function it of- good, but Clues needs that painting. I'd love to have it. I'd love to have this painting that we saw tonight as well. But uh, then we move on to Trey. He's playing the harmonica. He reads Latin. Um, he says he's well-rounded, and he talks about his parents having been together for 29 years, and then we get Greg, a little intro from him. His family is around the table, youngest of four. There's kids popping out left and right, and he is excited to be a dad, ready to be engaged. He seems very for TRR. And that is the end of portion two. We then cut to portion three. The moon rises over the mountains of New Mexico. Katie shakes out the nerves as she pulls up in a limousine. She's saying tonight, She's going to meet her future husband, and I'm telling you, she's fucking <laughs> selling this. It's amazing. She's saying every fucking I'm right sold. phrase. She praises the process in night one. I don't know how many fucking times. It is a brilliant Correct. performance. She is embodying every step of the game, and she is taking those steps at exactly the right times it's i mean i've just never seen anything like it it's like she was made to be a bachelorette it's unfucking believable to me she completely sells that she thinks she's going to be hosting this whole show herself she says she's feeling sick she's so nervous we hear she's standing there alone and we hear very loud cricket noises not my creature of the week and Finally, Thelma and Louise, Caitlin Bristow and Tasia Adams, wearing all black, sneak up behind Katie Thurston. She's in a gorgeous red gown, and they surprise her. And what does Katie pull out here? First years of the season. But this entire sequence, let's just examine it for a moment, if we may. Katie says she is scared no one is there to help her. This is obviously a scripted line that producers have told her to say it. Let's just imagine. Let's go back to when she sent out the tweet, when she was crowned Bachelorette. And she says, I don't want Dark Lord Harrison. Basically, she tweets that out. Dark Lord's not going to be on my season. Yeah. And now the producers are handcuffed, and indeed he's not. So in that time, do you believe the producers are just like, well, you'll just have to do it yourself? Of course not. They're having conversations with her about who's going to host her season. She at least knows Caitlin and Tasha are in the running. There's absolutely no way, I think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know the truth of it. This is just my own speculation. But I think there's no way she doesn't at least expect someone will come in to help her. But again, she's selling it. And so then we cut to this hot fucking... Hot takes from the hot spot. <laughs> my hot spot is actually better than my regular fucking internet, strangely. But uh, then we cut to this thing. She's standing out in front of the limo or out in front of the resort waiting for the limos to come up. And we see movement behind her in the shadows. Now, usually when you see movement in the shadows, it's the Dark Lord emerging, his evil presence Mm -hmm. materializing from the darkness itself. Here, it's not that. Of course. It's the girl gang. It's fucking Tasha. It's fucking Caitlyn. And they're laughing. They're trying to like hold in a laugh 
like giddy school children about to play a fucking massive prank. I thought they were going to come up behind her and like, ah, like scream. They don't do that. They don't pay off any of this. The, the entire idea of like Katie doesn't know that she's going to have people hosting with her. They're trying to sneak up on her. None of it is paid off. They just come up and go, you know Katie. why? You know what they should have done? Hmm. First limo arrives. She thinks it's a guy. No, it's Ugg, Ultimate Girl Gang. Oh my God, that's fucking genius. Jesus fucking Christ. That's exactly what they should have done. The first limo yeah. is, that's exactly what they fucking should have done. You're right, 100%. That's what I'm saying. There's something about this that's like, I, it's the looseness of it all. It seems just kind of slapped together in some ways. Like they're trying for something here. I don't know what the fuck it is because they didn't hit it. But nonetheless, we do get this good moment where, yes, Katie Thurston produces first tears of season in the first fucking... 40 RRs. Whatever. Oh. It's unfucking believable. She's so fucking good. It's incredible. Tasha spins her. They give her complos. She then says the moment that I was alluding to earlier of another fucking weird ass line that she's a self-described desert gem. (laughs) I wrote that down too. The desert gem, part of the ultimate girl gang. And they tell her, we're here for you. And okay, this line. Katie says, I have so many questions. Can we go inside and chat? This is the second season in a row. We're having the lead pretend to spontaneously ask for a fireside chat. It makes even less sense here than with DLH and Matt James. Absolutely agree. And the whole time I was thinking, I was thinking two things. One. Her fireside chat, or any time that she is dealing with Caitlin and Tasha, it's constant councils of crowns. The entire season is a council yes. of crowns, basically. <laughs> so she goes at a council of crowns is when the lead gets in the beginning of every season. They'll have one or two, like a bachelor or a bachelorette or somebody come back to talk to them and kind of tell them, here's what you need to look out for. In this case, because two ex-bachelorettes are the fucking hosts, she's going to be having councils of crowns all the time. But all I could think about was season 25 that conversation with dark lord harrison and matt james and just how fucking nails on a chalkboard it was and here it's exactly the opposite this was my favorite (laughs) moment of taisha and caitlin and katie thurston was this conversation uh katie is like what are the top two things you wish you knew and caitlin's like don't rule anyone out on night one and taisha's like yeah i didn't think zach was gonna be my guy but now look how happy we are I mean, they just seemed like they were having fun. They're imparting real information to her because they've been through the process. Dark Lord Harrison can't really give you advice because he's never been in any of these situations. He's never been a player. He's never been a lead. He's only been this disembodied, weird, patriarchal, demonic figure. Happily married man. (laughs) Or a happily married man. (laughs) Your choice. Uh, Bristow asks her if she has a type. Katie says, everyone I've dated, none of them look alike. I'm all about personality. I'm very confident in myself as a woman. Need a man okay with confidence. And then she says, 2021. It's 2021. Let's talk about sex. Let's be open. Let's be comfortable. If he's not, won't blend in with me and won't blend in with my family. Hitting the brand hard. She says she'll absolutely kiss someone night one. But just because she's silly and sex positive doesn't mean she doesn't have a serious side. She needs a grown ass man. Playing to Tasha's uh, 
brand. Not only is it Tasha's catchphrase, it was also Claire Crawley's catchphrase in that same season. Oh, was it? Yeah. In my they mind, had... Tasha took it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, she was the last one to use it, but Claire Crawley that season was the first one to use yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. It's I'm just so sorry, at this Crawley. point, it's just becoming a bachelorette phrase. It's like if you are a bachelorette, mm. you need a grown ass man, period. And then we cut to an aerial shot. It's nighttime in New Mexico, and there are some headlights on the highway. Two limousines are trailing each other down that long and twisting road straight to the resort. We see Greg Grippo and a few other players cheersing in the back of a limo. One of them holds a magic lamp. I love those moments where you're like, oh, I can see what this Kringle's going to be. <laughs> yeah, they have their props getting them ready. <laughs> yeah. Then we go back to Katie. She tells Tasha and Caitlin that she's confident she will find her fiance because of the support of Tasha and Caitlin. <laughs> As though their presence there is somehow going to make this process work. She's not only praising the process, she's praising the hosts. She, I mean, it's, yeah. God damn it. I just like, I don't know what we're about to see. I do know what we're about to see. The best fucking season a lead has ever delivered. I, I mean, it just, uh, fuck. Uh, it's so fucking good. And then Tasha and, uh, of course, Caitlin simultaneously utter the sacred words, let the journey begin. And that is the starting whistle of our game. Play begins now. <laughs> it's so good. Fuck. And they do something that DLH does not do. In normal seasons, DLH disappears into the ether at this point in the game until he's going to return to deliver the fimp. In this case, Tasha and Caitlin go find a window where they watch the entire thing and do little jokes at every limo exit. Well, this was very similar to in season 25. There was that little circular cutout window in the resort that the players who had entered the mansion or entered the resort could look out and see the next limo exits. They're taking almost that exact mm, same shot. Tom. that ex Yeah, the peeping Tom kind of functionality of it, and they've just given it here to Tasha and Caitlin. I thought it worked pretty well. Well, And we see that pop in and out throughout the entirety of all the limo exits. At one point, they're even fucking eating popcorn. Like, they've given them a literal bit with a prop. Yeah. I liked it. I did too. It was entertaining. And again, it like it gives you that tone that they are having fun with this. You never get a fun tone from Dark Lord Harrison. Even when they're giving him sketches like what he did with Ed Wastebrot, where Ed Wastebrot oh accidentally gosh. came to his room and all that shit. There's still this air of like, I don't like you, Ed Wastebrot. I'll entertain this, but like you're yeah. beneath me. You don't get that at all with Tasha and Caitlin. They're here for this. They're having as much fun as Katie is. That tone to me, it's like a fucking weight lifted off of you. After we have yeah. slogged through season 25 and just fucking watched what we had to watch, just the disaster of it, the fucking ill feelings we all had as a result of watching that are alleviated by how much fun Caitlin and Tasha are having at every turn of this. Like the promo said, the fun is back, the sexy is back, etc. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I do think it was a purposeful move because they were like everyone wants to die after watching season 25 let's let's get a light some lighter fare 
that, let's, I mean, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to the actual popcorn when it yeah. happens because I have some things to say about yeah, that. Yeah, save that for the, the popcorn segment. <laughs> <laughs> we begin the limo exits. We are 40 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> the alpha, the alpha limo exit. It goes to Thomas. This was a surprise for me given his yeah. Instagram. Uh, he does a blandy. Katie says, do they all look like that? Because I'm in trouble. She's She's got her fun little one-liners after all these. Then we get Aaron. He does a blandy. But she does turn and give uh, Tasha and Caitlin a thumbs up back in the window. So she's even communicating mm-hmm. with them visually. And they're yes. like thumbs upping her. They're excited. It, it's just like such a stark contrast to Dark Lord Harrison. Can you imagine ever a lead like Dark Lord Harrison's like off in the bushes and the shadows and they're like thumbs upping him and he's like yeah go for it dude yeah like, he's cute <laughs> no I mean there's he's that element the of it too <laughs> okay, he just so gives then, a thumbs up you just see his hand come out of the bush yeah <laughs> then we get Andrew he's a blandy and then our fourth limo exit is the first non-blandy. It is a standee delivered by David. He says, I'm a New Yorker, and I know anything can happen in a New York minute. So even though I've been standing here for just under a minute, I'm already feeling you. He had something here that he was trying, some kind of strung together thing about a New York minute. He doesn't deliver it quite right, but this was an attempt. That's a pre-written line. That's a standee. Yeah, and it's sort of an LL1. Would you agree? I'm already feeling you. Yeah, let's give it to him. LL1, out of the limo. First love level. I'm, I want him to do well because he's in my final four. <laughs> oh, congrats. Katie says they're literally all tens in response to David, presumably. Next we get Michael. This was an interesting standy Kringle. He says, you look beautiful. I got something for you. A little gift. Come bearing gifts always. This is very sentimental. This watch has been in my family for about 200 years. It's like an heirloom, so don't lose it. Just kidding. I'm not a creep. I got it at the airport. The message here is time is precious. Be happy. Spend it with people you want to be with. It was a a very weird move. It doesn't quite land. I get what he's trying to do here. It's a little off, I get the intention, but it still seems creepy to me. (laughs) It's not fully losing that, that cringe factor. He's putting in the effort. You never want to use the word creepy in your limo exit for any reason, even to say that you're not creepy. (laughs) That's the end of the first five limo exits. And then we get those guys talking about how hot Katie is in the house. And Caitlin and Tasia are still watching as a truck pulls up. And this is the moment where Caitlin and Tasia are now eating their popcorn. We are literally being Mm -hmm. given the image of the hosts watching the show we're watching with their popcorn at the edge of their seats. They are us now. The hosts are the fourth audience. We are the hosts. We have somehow merged with the show and we are living vicariously through them. I mean, I don't think the producers are thinking about it this deeply, but it was a brilliant little visual motif to just draw us straight in because that's what we're fucking doing. I thought it it just worked very well. Tasha is representing the heartland here when she yells out, love a guy in a truck. As the next player rolls up, it's a truck, but no one is emerging from the truck. 
This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel because right now you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And suddenly, Trey emerges from a ball pit in the back of the truck to scare the shit out of Katie. He screams, Katie! She's asked, how long have you been back there? And Trey says, just a little bit. I'm here to have a ball with you, as you can see, because not only are you drop-dead gorgeous, but a pretty baller bachelorette. And Katie says, I like him. Good vibes. Good vibes only here tonight, guys. I like him, too. This is our first grandy of the season. It's a standy grandy. And Trey was one of the standout players, in my mind, of tonight. Everything he did was absolutely correct. And we're going to get a little later. He's even doing some subtle play, some fine-tuning kind of play that I think only an adept player really understands. But this is exactly what you want to do in a grandy. You come in in a big spectacle. That first segment ends on a cliffhanger. Portion three ends with Katie looking at the thing and then Mm -hmm. going, oh my God, end of segment. We go to a commercial. We have to come back to see what the fuck is in that truck. It's Trey. That's what's in that fucking truck. It's fucking brilliant. He gave them this. Yes. He gave them a moment to cut off, which means his limo exit now spans a commercial break. You're tuning back in to see who this person is. And the payoff gives him more weight as a player. You're going to remember him more easily. And that's not even to mention all the other shit that he does tonight. But this was fucking brilliant. I thought it was one of the best limo exits that we saw all night. Totally agree. And then Tasha and Caitlin come out and they check in with Katie. We get a, a intermission of the limo exits. And she's like, I'm feeling good. They all laugh about how much fun she's having and how hot the guys are. And then Caitlin fucking slaps her on the ass as she and Tasha go back into the mansion. And this is an incredible moment between a veteran superstar and an incoming rookie who has fucking idolized her. Her entire life. Imagine, first of all, imagine DLH doing this with anyone. No. (laughs) I could see an earlier season him doing it with a guy. Dark season. I don't think so because it's too loose. We would have made a note of it if it had happened. Yeah, it's never happened. It's too loose. DLH is a very structured, regimented host who will do the things he does and it's never going to go outside of that. This is like, it's too personable. It's too real, you know? Like, I don't think that was a scripted thing. This was thing. one of I my that favorite just... moments of the episode. Yeah, me too. It was Caitlin showing us. I'm fucking Caitlin Bristow. This is the shit I do, mm-hmm. motherfucker. She's literally passing the torch of the free spirit, yes. blue comedy player yes, to exactly. Katie Thurston through an ass slap. It's fucking amazing. It's fucking amazing. And it elevates this to a sport. <laughs> this is the moment when 
a fucking old veteran baseball player would slap a young rookie on the ass who grew up watching that baseball player after that baseball player hits a home run and he's like, yeah, go get him rookie, you know, or whatever. That's exactly what this is. We are watching a sport and we are watching a superstar inaugurate a fucking rookie into superstardom. I loved this moment. I fucking loved it. Me too. And so did Katie. She describes it as, they're my little balls of energy better than a shot of whiskey. Here's Katie coming in. She's being her own colorful narrator, even about the hosts. I mean, not enough feminine energy for me. Sorry, (laughs) anonymous sources who say too much. Not enough. I love it. Wait, I'm. you're saying these anonymous sources too much feminine energy. I haven't seen this. I mean, I haven't been on the internet because it's been down and I've had to use my phone as a fucking hotspot. But <laughs> Famously. Who is... What does that even mean? It's the fucking Bachelorette. I feel like people have like sent that to me. I don't know. I don't know who's Weird. saying it. I didn't get that feeling from you this. You know what? It's, tonight, probably, but... it's probably DLH's anonymous blog. <laughs> DLH has like a Russian bot farm that he's just paying a hundred Russian yeah. bot farmers to <laughs> disseminate disinformation Too much about this season. Energy for yeah. me, yeah. Uh, seventh limo exit. We get to Greg Grippo. This man was in both of our top four, and we made a good choice, I believe. Oh yeah. I think a lot of mine are going to go, or actually, shit, maybe one of them got already removed. I'm not sure. (laughs) We'll get to it in the end. (laughs) I think I have two that are definitely going to be in the top four. We'll see. But yeah, I liked, even though he did a blandy here, you know, seemed four TRR, pretty good. A little indicator. Katie says after that, he looks like my ex-boyfriend. I don't know if that's good or bad. That means he's a finalist to me. We get a bunch of Blandies. We get an It Takes Two from Gabriel, the entrepreneur, where he forces her into this weird deep breathing hug. Uh, Carl, the motivational speaker, comes in with the 14th limo exit, doing a a weird kind of standy. It's at the end of a rapid-fire Blandy montage where he does a missing piece of my heart, like hand gesture. I don't think we got to see that whole limo exit, but I... I felt like it was no. something that he was trying to do there. I wrote here, cut Kringle, question mark. Then, number 16, we see an old-fashioned car being driven by a masked person. And I gotta say, the grandies do not hit the same when the drivers are wearing masks. But this driver was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. And he was driving Andrew S., who, this was one of my favorite limo exits. He gets out. He's got a strong British accent. He says, finally, hello, my love. Traveled all the way across the pond to be with you here tonight. Usually I'm in Vienna, Austria, but right now I'm here with you. You look exquisite. Can't wait to meet you more inside. They hug. Loses the accent. Says, I'm actually from Chicago. It was a fake British accent. I believe this is a grandy, standy aloha. What? And How is it a fucking aloha? 
Okay. Because it's an accent. <laughs> that doesn't, that's not an aloha. That's a different it's a language. Okay. Well, all right. <laughs> you it, just okay, want to give him. But regardless. <laughs> okay. It might have been a triple combo. might have been a double combo. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's still great. And you can tell he's a student of this game. He has exactly copied, or almost exactly copied, Bree Barnes from Colton Underwood season 23, who entered with a fake Australian accent, accent, which didn't work for her. She didn't last long in game, but he improved upon it. Dropped the accent immediately, so it didn't seem like he was a liar. Oh, yeah. It was brilliant. This was one of my favorite limo exits as well. The Grandy being driven in like a sports car or a luxury car of some kind. Bennett did this, if you'll remember, on last season of Bachelorette. Kit Keenan. Kit Keenan did it. You run the risk of it just being like, okay, you came in in a nice car, so what? Andrew S. here elevates it to another level with this standee, which actually works. It's actually funny. It's actually charming. And then when he mm-hmm. reveals that this accent is not real, you're like, oh, fuck, this guy's got a good sense of humor. He's going to be a fun person. I thought that this was like a very, very well done limo exit. Another reason why I think he studied the game is he said in his ITM, I definitely made a huge impression, and that's the name of the game. Boom. Yeah, he understands. And after this point... He becomes the colorful narrator and describes all the various weird limo exits being like, oh, it's Foxman and it's et cetera. Yeah. He was the first player to really flash some humor and the producers immediately were like, get that guy in an ITM right now. We need him to narrate. So he he's taken that role over. And then we get a few other non-blandies here. Uh, Brandon does a grandy, rides in on a moped, but that's all we get to see of it. Connor C., the former baseball player, does a Kringle stand. He gives her his first baseball glove and says, uh, you're going to need this, especially if I'm going to be catching feelings. Um, we see Kyle do a standee with some prop work, pulling his underwear out of his pants. Says, I'm going to be brief here. Hunter does a standee. He has a little prop fish and says, I hope you agree I'm kind of a catch. And then we see... Okay. Wait, wait, wait. I was expecting more from Hunter. He is the guy with the biggest TikTok following, but he straight up copied night one girl Kimberly Cornea from Matt James's season 25. She threw a giant fish for Matt James to catch. He has a small fake fish, says, I'm hoping you agree, I'm kind of a catch. Katie is nice enough to do finger guns at the standee, but I don't feel like he deserved them. It was weak. This is bottom barrel type shit. You're coming on season 17 of The Bachelorette. This crown is the most studied fucking player who has ever worn a crown. And you're going to bring that weak shit to her? (laughs) Sit down. Then our 21st limo exit is Captain Volcano, Jeff, the surgical skin salesman from New Jersey. He comes in. In a fucking RV. It is a grandy standy because he then tells her, home is where the heart is, so I drove my home here from New Jersey. And in this moment, I'm thinking to myself, Captain Volcano, you've done it. You have bought yourself a four to six episode run as the fool. Congratulations. That's what I thought in this moment. We will get to how misled I was near the end of this episode. <laughs> but I thought this was good. And then it, it just fell apart. 
And then a big present box gets wheeled in, and that ends portion number four. That's a cliffhanger. What is in the box? A mysterious grandee. The mystery box does get a Chiron. It's James, a 30-year-old software salesman from La Jolla, and he shouts from within the box, Katie, it's so nice to finally meet you. My name is James. Wanted to make sure I was present for you, so it's a grandee standee. And he says, there's a catch. If you want to open your gift, you have to come find me inside. Someone yells, what's in the box? Caitlin says, wait till he's ready. They're, they're playing the role of those two, those two guys on Sesame Street. Do you know this? Yeah, Statler and... The audience members. I forget their name. It's something in Statler or something like that, but I know you're talking about the old guys. Statler and Waldorf. Oh, they're Muppet characters. My bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got some more Blandies. And then Cody is the 26th limo exit. He is a 27-year-old zipper sales manager from San Diego, California. And he pulls off a standy sidecar. Sidecars are extremely rare in our beloved game. And he pulls one off here pretty fucking well. He starts talking to her about someone who got him through the pandemic. This is a very similar kind of almost mirror image conversation he's having with her to the one she had with Matt James when she was talking about, I brought a friend with me that helped get me through the pandemic and she pulls out the vibrator. Here, he says, I brought my friend with me. She's in the car. I'm going to go get her. And he goes back, brings out the blow-up doll that we've seen in all the promos. And he says, this is Sandy. And they have a little funny conversation about it. Katie says, a sense of humor is going to get a guy far. So if they've done their research, they know the way to my heart is to make me laugh. This is in an ITM. She's literally talking about preseason work here. Researching who the lead is going to be and doing something that is tailored exactly to their interests. I mean, there's no better way to tailor it to her interest than doing exactly the same type of limo exit that she did. No, but also this idea of doing research. This is gameplay. Prior to this, we have never really seen... Blake Moynes maybe was the first player who did it when he read the book about Alzheimer's, knowing that he was going in for Claire. At least he was the first one to openly talk about it. This idea that leads or players or anyone in our beloved game can say... You should have researched me before you came here is a whole other thing that the game is now accepting as part of play. Well, they're accepting it as a part of play, not on behalf of villains. They're saying that like people who get good edits can also get this. Because I remember Lace Morris did this on Ben Higgins season. She oh, said yeah. she looked him up on all his social she media. She stalked him, yeah. I remember that. Um Excellent, excellent limo exit by Cody. And next is Justin. He goes for a very similar route, a parallel building up story about sexual frustration during the pandemic. He says, with all that pent up stress and frustration, I would just stroke and stroke and stroke it out. I know we just met and all, but I mean, so this is the tool I'm referring to. It's my paintbrush. I thought it was great. It's again this um, sexy humor, which Katie loves. And it sets off a series of a couple more limo exits that are also 
standees with sexual puns. Christian has a little Aladdin-style lamp that we saw in the limo, and he says he wants to rub one out together. Courtney does a standee. He has a pre-prepared poem with sexual puns all throughout it. That was another one of my favorites. It was a Q and sex-themed poem to help remember his name, Courtney, with a Q. Yeah, very well done. And it obviously works because as he goes into the resort, Katie makes a pelvic thrusting motion back to Caitlin and Katasha, who are still watching <laughs> from the window, and they go wild. That was one of my favorite Katie moments. Oh, it's fantastic because you're seeing these fans. I mean, this is like when a basketball player does a slam dunk and then like points over to the bench to the other players and they're all fucking going wild, you know? It's like when yeah. LeBron James fucking does something crazy in a game and then he points over to one of his teammates and they're just like, oh, they're like throwing their towels and shit like this. That's exactly yeah. what this is. This is a sports fucking moment. It was brilliant. And then, of course. We come to the final limo exit. This is Connor B., a 29-year-old math teacher from Nashville, Tennessee. This is a taut standy. He emerges from the limousine dressed head to toe as a fucking cat, complete with makeup whiskers on his goddamn face and hands that are in paw mittens. He uses several fucking cat puns when he comes to greet her. He is acting like a cat. He's using his paws to like pantomime licking them and cleaning his face. (laughs) She fucking loves it. She loves it. And this is doing your fucking research, dude. This is looking at her Instagram and knowing she's obsessed with her cat, Tommy. And then we get some players shitting on it from the shadows, from within the resort they're watching this and thinking it's a dumb move they don't understand how to play the game you're going home you might be able to float a little while but when it gets into the harder rounds goodbye what connor is doing here is extremely high level that's why it was my play 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 of the game I just, I've never seen a taught that ultimately we'll see how successful it becomes later in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never seen one this successful, ever. Not one that has no. this level of commitment. JoJo Fletcher, it's arguably, you know, it's arguable that hers was better. But hers was just a rubber unicorn head. And she took it off in the limo exit before she went into the and fucking mansion. it didn't mansion. have anything to do with Ben Higgins. Right. This shit is germane to Katie Thurston's personality. This shit is high degree of commitment. He never takes this fucking costume off the whole goddamn night. He even puts it back on after their makeup. This is a hardcore strategy. You're preparing it ahead of time. It is well thought out, well researched. He's even playing the part of the cat. When he goes into the mansion after this, he's like pawing at the door for them to let him in and shit. It's fucking brilliant. I'm sorry. This was by far, in my opinion, the best limo exit of the night. And it paid fucking massive dividends for him as the night progressed. I definitely think this was the best limo exit. He made her forget about literally every other person. And it's a high, high degree of difficulty. And he pulled it off. It was amazing. It Like, 
he had to have rehearsed this. Like, he ended up making the promos with this limo exit. The scratching at the door. It could have very easily marginalized him. You can become a fool very quickly in something like this. And that's not what happened, as we saw. It takes a high degree of skill to pull something like this off, and he fucking simply did it. And when he goes into the resort and greets the guys, he diffuses that tension. He goes, is this not a costume party? And the guys start talking about, you know, things are going to get crazy a little later on. And this section, this portion ends with Carl saying he loves the competitiveness (laughs) and he's looking forward to a fight to the death. That is what Carl says. He's been in the house for five fucking minutes and he's ready to kill. I can't wait to see what this guy is going to fucking do. Oh my God. Portion six begins. The guys are giving compliments about Katie. Marty throws it in there. I've never been in love before. Cheers to love. Just throws it out to the guys. I think he senses he's not going to get time. I don't know. I know. Poor fucking Marty. Um... And Carl takes over this, starts to take over this party. He goes, let's get the party started. Bring Katie in here. He goes to greet the box as soon as these two PAs bring it into the cocktail party. He bangs on the box, says, are you coming out or what? He's intimidating the box, wants to fight the box, I guess. (laughs) The box gets a whole segment here. And I started to think to myself, the box might be fucking up. The box is good. It's a good gimmick. But, like, don't push it too far. And I I thought at this point it was being pushed too far. But, I don't know, it turned out to work. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. But Tisha and Caitlin are outside with Katie. And they ask her if she saw her husband. And she says, yes, there's potential. We're already getting these plays from her. The selling of this idea. My husband is in the room. We know that that's a, a popular phrase in our beloved game. And she's doing it right here. For the two hosts. I think almost every crown has said that. And she says, I'm really focused on Connor the cat. And then Caitlin brings up the fimp. First impression, Rose. And she says to trust your intuition with it. And there is a much different tone than when Dark Lord Harrison does the send off into the house here. They are supportive. They are happy. And importantly, they are just as excited as she is about this entire process. I don't know. It's like there's there's just something that is like electric about when they're all three together mm-hmm. that is very entertaining and it is fun in a way that this show has not been in a long time. Yeah. And it's kind of like the like the ultimate girl gang, you know. And Katie's really starring as like a desert gem here. It's very, very desert gem role. <laughs> We begin the cocktail party as Katie enters, and Code Sex Doll Cody is the first, first responder. responder. This means he gives Katie Thurston her drink as she enters the party, and we get Katie's inauguration, inauguration speech. speech. This is the speech all leads give at the beginning of their season at the start of the first cocktail party. She says, I was going to try and practice like a speech. It would be perfect tonight, but that's not me. Some of you are nervous. Some came out fully prepared. I appreciate you all taking the time to be here. The quarantine sucked. I'm here because I believe in this, praising the process. I hope you're here because you believe in it. I hope you're all for TRR. All I ask is you be yourself. Step out of your comfort zone because also this is weird. Raise a glass and we'll cheers to love. And during the speech too, I don't know if you caught this. I know that you have a strange relationship with sounds, (laughs) but... (laughs) 
during <laughs> during the speech uh-huh. toward the end of it they start piping in some weird kind of soft like edm electronic music <laughs> they've never used anything that has sounded like this before in any season it's hmm. definitely new and it's like it's a different tone that's just kind of like oh yeah it's like fun upbeat i don't know i thought it worked pretty well actually well, you are the connor b of us too a musician oh <laughs> okay <laughs> Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com smart for details. And then we begin to get our one-on-one times at the cocktail party. Andrew S. gets the first one-on-one time. He reprises his accent joke. He rolls with it. He moves into asking what she's feeling about the night. And she says she's ready to be engaged and believes in the process. Once again, praising it. He says he's still a little nervous. So they do the British accent together. He's now taking this joke that he used in his limo exit. He's getting her to engage in it. It's a little bit of an it takes two kind of thing going on. And his limo exit has paid off. I felt like in this one-on-one time, they sincerely connected. I got that vibe. Yes. And then they cheers each other. He's and I'm allowing like, her to shine with, with her own British accent being like, no, I think you look dashing tonight. I agree. They did seem to be connecting. Andrew S is very, I think he's got, he's got a lot of natural charm. Thomas, on the other hand, seems to be going through something. He's still talking about how he can't breathe. He talks about how he felt like a third grader trying to talk to a girl for the first time. And in his one-on-one time, he says, I didn't know what to expect. When I saw you smiling, I realized it's going to be okay. That toast was amazing. Haven't been able to stop smiling. Yeah, it was all very surface level complimentary kind of things. He seems like Blandy. he's going to just Yeah, it was a blandy one-on-one time. Then we get some other one-on-ones. And then we come to an interesting little one-on-one time with Marty. He brings out his stones that he carries in a small pouch and he shows them off to Katie. And we will find out later that that was probably a mistake, but I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> this is so lit. This is pyrite. Uh it's certainly, I don't even know if it was a Kringle. I think he might have kept those stones. I think they were important enough to him, but um, eh, not my error of the game, but it was up there. That was definitely not a Kringle. That was just like <laughs> a little show and tell. That was like, check out my cool oh, shit. Okay. Look at my rocks. I'll edit those stats. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, uh, I'm, I mean, now I'm sort of beginning to understand Marty saying he's never been in love. 
And Katie in an ITM says, I thought I would want like a loud guy, but some of the ones I like are shy. And we immediately cut to her one-on-one time with Greg Grippo, who brings up the big family yet again. I'm the youngest of four. Everyone has three kids now. It's so annoying. Popping them out left and right. He's saying this popping phrase repeatedly about uh, his siblings giving birth. Um, and he says, one of my nieces makes specialty necklaces. I know it's really too soon to give you something. I have this rule. You shouldn't be giving a gift on a first date. And Katie's like, so this is a date? And Craig says, it's a date. I put in a good word with my niece. She's three. And he cringles her this necklace that Katie puts on. He says, it's not real gold. This is pasta. Thought that was a very cute moment. Definitely a cringle. Absolutely. Definitely a cringle. It was very 4TRR. Very interesting initiation of shy style here. You very rarely see that. I would say Wells Adams had a little tinge of shy style. I would say Evan Bass had a little bit of shy style. But traditionally, uh, what you're going to... What's shy style, Clues? What's that? What's shy style? Shy style is like, it's understated. You're not going hyper-aggressive. You're not delivering a lot of compliments. I mean, you will be complimentary for sure, but only in the way that it's like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. (laughs) You just make me nervous. Like, oh, you're always a little like off kilter and you're not ever going to be the one who like steps to another guy. Shy style will, I believe, run into a problem eventually with an aggressive alpha male type. If that uh, setup can be made by the producers, but it doesn't seem like they're doing that. We'll get to that a little bit later. It does seem like they're setting up a rivalry. I mean, seem like they did. They set one up, and it's not with Greg. He also adds in a little line here. I just, you seem like you're such a great girl. I just wanted to come into this and be able to let my wall down. So he's loading some walls here. Yeah, he was doing a lot in this one-on-one time. It worked obviously very well. And then we get some one-on-one time with Brendan. They're playing hockey on a little mini date, and then all the other guys come out and start playing a game with them. So the producers have set up this hockey game and Brennan's like, oh, cool. Uh, I play hockey. Like I'll get to show her something I'm good at. I can shine in this moment. And then the producer's like, no, fuck you, dude. We're going to send the entire crew of guys out to fuck over your mini date and you're all going to have yeah. to play hockey together. I would be so fucking pissed right at them. Right when it looks like he's about him. to kiss her. Yeah. Th- there's just like 30 guys fucking kick the door open. <laughs> oh, let's play hockey, bro. He's already, um, he's already delivered a, an off-camera gentleman to her she's wearing his jacket portion seven begins trey aka ball pit man does a grandy callback they go in the ball pit in the back of the truck with drinks excellent move here uh some something that kayla epps did on matt james's season with a pickup truck but this has that added element of the balls trey says about to get cozy boys central i liked that phrase (laughs) And it gives Katie a lot of moments to shine in her stand-up routine. She says, I never thought on my first night as Bachelorette that I'd be laying in a truck full of balls. hey And then they talk about their middle names, which leads Trey into a little discourse about being named after the nurse who birthed him. And they start talking about his mom. And you can see Katie is lighting up. They are having a real fucking moment in these balls, and she likes him. This was one of the best one-on-one performances we had all night. And then we get what I consider to be 
the best one-on-one performance of the night. Mm. This goes to Justin. We've seen him working on this rose heart painting during quarantine. He hit it again with his limo exit, doing a standy cringle with the paintbrush that had to do with he had some um, sexual humor involved about his stroking, etc. And right here, he cringles Katie Thurston with this painting. He says, we can complete it as we go. There's a void missing in the center of the heart. I left that blank on purpose. We can complete the painting week by week, petal at a time. And at the end of this, we have a completed rose. This was my... Play, 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 play of the game. He then says, let me move this decor pillow. A perfect kiss lead-in line. And Justin pulls that first... Kiss. I thought that it was, I I mean, one of the best one-on-one times that I saw. And it was very well planned. It's got a heart. It's hitting all of the things, hitting roses, hitting love. He has been well prepared, which we already know that Katie Thurston is into. And it shows this thing about him, that he's artistic and very skilled at it. Um, I just was very impressed by this and he loads level level one after this as I can feel chemistry already feeling starting to develop and it's something that we're going to track through the whole season. It was great. I, I completely agree with you. I think it was one of the best one on one time, certainly obviously because he gets the kiss, the first kiss. I'm telling you, I think there's something to do with the fact that he's like a talented artist. You see people come into this game all the time who like make drawings or whatever Carl is even doing it a little bit, and we'll get to his one-on-one time in a minute. Uh, He's not as good. This dude's like a good artist, and I think that's impressive. But he's the last one-on-one time we get before we cut back to a bunch of the guys in the central room. And a masked figure comes in holding the fimp rose on a platter. This masked figure is Big Polly. Big Polly was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. Imagine being Big Polly. You have been in this fucking game for years. (laughs) You've been in this game for years and years and years and years. All you've ever done is be the foil, the sidekick, the fool at the side of the Dark Lord. And now in this moment, you are doing the Dark Lord's job. You are the Dark Lord. You finally get to touch the fimp platter, deliver it, and watch everyone squirm. You finally get to step out of the shadow of this man who has used you as a prop for fucking 19 years. I don't know if he's been on the show for that long, but for however long he's been on the show, many years, certainly. <laughs> long time. And now, now you get to do that thing. He's gone. 
the the person who has controlled you for this entire time is gone you are free big polly and you get to deliver the fucking fimp i loved this moment i was glad the producers gave it to him i am happy for big polly i hope he gets many more moments like this throughout the season doing some some of the kind of functional things that the dark lord would normally do mm-hmm. i loved this moment as well uh i love that whenever big polly's on camera he brings in his signature beret and I love that, like, I didn't see this coming. For me, this was my night one curveball. <laughs> uh, we had debated it. We were like, who's going to bring in the fimp? <laughs> Will it be Tasha? Will it be Caitlin? Will they awkwardly drag the tray in together? No. It's yeah. a curveball. It's Big Polly. Bestowing the fimp onto the player base is something that it evolved throughout the history of our game. It started in season five with the first fimp rose where Dark Lord Harrison was standing outside the mansion with then-Bachelor Jesse Palmer, and he just had the rose, and he said, this is a first impression rose. You get to take it into that room and give it to the one player who has made the best impression on you, and they'll be safe for the night. And so he just takes the rose, and he tucks it into his jacket, and it's just, it's there. It's in secret. No one knows about it, and he wound up giving it to that season's villain, Trish Schneider, which is a whole other episode that we could do and probably have done at this point. Okay. I can't even remember. But uh, that was the first FIMP. And then it took many iterations where it would be brought in by, like, uh, in season... A random bartender. Yeah, that was in season um, nine in Italy. There were, or Sorry, it was in season mm-hmm. eight in Paris. Um, just a random bartender. It would sometimes just be on a table. There was a season where it was on a little pedestal by the bachelor as limo exits were happening, and he had to give the rose to someone in the limo exit. So there have been, I believe it was 10, Andy Baldwin. Baldwin? Wings of Love. But uh, the Fimpros, how it is presented, has changed throughout the game. And it wasn't, I believe, until season, was it Mesny? Was it 13 when it was solidified? Dark Lord Harrison would bring it in on a tray of some kind every time. And it's been that way for a long time because the producers know that it, it makes other people go crazy when you lay it on that fucking table and they all have to look at it. And then that's exactly what happens after Big Polly delivers it. We get our little segment of everybody saying, oh shit, we're getting nervous. Courtney ITMs about uh, a drop in the room when the fimp arrives. Marcus ITMs about it, meaning time is running out. Carl ITMs, he needs to step up his game. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love it. And then we get one-on-one time with Carl, and he's got this weird big cartoon drawing that he's done for her. It's like, I don't know. Adventures of Katie and Swizz. Seems like Carl had a lot of ideas that he just put all (laughs) on this thing. It's like, it's a game board, but it's also like, just like a piece of, um, poster board um he says it's prince charming on the way to a rescue his princess and then he points out something and says your little fun toy because we know how you get down so i guess he's drawn a vibrator on it yeah. at some point i don't know and then carl there's a the first steal of the night is a figure from their back we can't even tell who it is but someone steals from carl that was the only steal we even saw and then yeah Volcano steps in and he takes her out to his RV for a little one-on-one time. And he's got a little vegetable spread for her. He's got some tea in there. Uh, 
They're playing full edit music. Uh, She's clearly not into this. You can hear the crunching. I promise you it's just iced tea. Don't worry, I'm not bringing you in the RV and giving you booze. And then it's like, there's the bed. It's like, what do you mean? You could have given her a nice drink. You don't have to imply that you're going to like drag her to the bed in the back of the truck. Like Volcano's RV mini date was my... Error, 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 error of the game. Volcano had it set up. Volcano was going to be around if he wanted to be. Volcano had to know. I'm not playing to the first audience anymore. That's gone. When you drive into the fucking show in an RV, you're not playing the first audience. You're playing the fourth and the third. The second audience is also probably going to hate you, by the way. But you're really playing the third. That's your strongest audience that you're playing to. And he just fails here. You have the RV. Take her in it and do something fucking crazy. You can't have, like, a vegetable set up with some fucking tea. That's not going to do it, dude. You have to go in there and be nuts. Pull out a guitar and be like, this is where I like to jam out. Whatever. You have to be crazy. You have set yourself up as the fool, and then you did not deliver in this scene and that is why volcano you didn't stick around i couldn't believe he blew this opportunity he set himself up as one of the funniest characters of the season and just fucking nothing nothing there volcanoes mini date was also my error 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 of the game We talked about this. I had high hopes for the RV. I was like, he he's going to steal the show with this. Like, it's a great, great move by him. And he literally, like you're saying, could have done anything in there. And, you know, I famously have spent a lot of time in van TikTok. Jeff Volcano should have spent some time there. Do a little Dini Babies, consult with Dini Baby's content, consult with Van TikTok. There's beautiful things people do with with RVs. Create like a romantic setting. The fact that he it wasn't cleaned up and he's throwing shit and supposedly there's dirty boxers. But even that's fine. If that's the route you're going to go with it, fucking play it up. Because at this point, it's Katie Thurston didn't eliminate him. The producers did. She didn't make that choice. The producers could have decided, we're going to keep him around and make a joke out of him. There just wasn't enough joke. He had, like, the presentation of a joke with no fucking punchline. So there's not anything there. He just fucking blew this. He had the opportunity. The producers would have kept him. We've seen them keep people like ABC Cam, uh, Waboom, for much lesser shit than having a giant RV. Waboom just had a catchphrase and they kept him around. And a fucking t-shirt that said the catchphrase. They kept that guy on for fucking three or four episodes. This guy can't even make it through night one. It yeah. was I mean, so Waboom disappointing. Was working, though. Waboom started to set up some rivalries and started attacking other people, etc. Jeff, no. It was just opportunity blown. Sorry, Volcano. Did we get... <laughs> Carl is interrogating a bunch of the turtles, including Hunter. Turtling is where you don't capitalize on an after party or a cocktail party or something and don't talk to the lead. And Carl says, do whatever you can. And then 
we get this rivalry between Aaron and Cody. Aaron saying, it's not my fault I don't like you, bro. And Cody says, I don't agree with anything you said. And it feels like we're coming in mid-storyline. What the hell has happened here? They don't show us any of the lead up to this. It made me think that they somehow like didn't capture it on film or something. Me too. I don't, I don't know what we're missing here, but certainly this is going to be a rivalry. Like in this exact moment, I'm like, okay, well, they're both getting a rose. 100%. Because the producers are going to use this to force a forced violence date on them. I, from the promos we saw, it's probably that mud wrestling cowboy one. And they're going to kick the shit out of each other. Or maybe whatever that weird game is where the guy gets fucking nailed in the back and it looks like his spine gets broken. They are going to be on one of those dates. They are going to have to engage one another in physical violence. That is the nature of our beloved game. And so you know right there, neither of these guys is going home tonight because they've done what it takes. And then we get a very nice play right after this from Trey. He's sitting there. He's enjoying his drink. And he says, I want to keep my nose out of that. None of the beef. I'm a vegetarian. Fucking perfect. Not only. Beautiful. Does he know exactly what to be doing in this moment? Staying the fuck out of that. He makes a little fucking joke. He's got a funny fucking phrase. This dude is incredible. In this moment, I was just like, I think he might be my favorite player. I think we're going to see huge things from him in the rest of this season. He's just, he's very good. He's very fucking good. This was one of my favorite lines of the episode. Mine too. I'm like, is that off the cuff? Did he prepare some of these going in? Is he actually a very studied player? Uh, beautiful. And I also felt a little bad for Cody in this because he seemed kind of blindsided. Like, why is this guy fucking attacking me? And then I'm like, is Aaron pulling a play here? Is he trying to start a rivalry? Out of nothing? Just that, I mean, just I did he no just no idea who he was until this moment. Same. <laughs> I'm like, did he just fucking pick somebody and say, I'm gonna try and fight that guy? That's gonna be my thing. That'll keep yeah. me around for three or four episodes. Maybe he interpreted Cody's limo exit with the sex doll as like, oh, that guy's a joke. Oh, I can take yeah. him down or something. Probably. And he didn't you're, know that yeah. it had it had gone well. I think you're right. We get the guys talking about the box guy. Carl theorizes that he might be naked in there. And then I love Carl's fucking mind. I love it. He's always thinking about game mechanics and shit. What's in that box? <laughs> What's his real strategy? It's fucking brilliant. He's he's a little extreme. If that guy would have been naked, I mean, fuck, can you imagine that? I know. I wonder how that will hold up. The love of Carl. <laughs> a little scared. <laughs> he's he's the most entertaining player for sure. For sure. Yeah, Carl <laughs> Carl's art. The guys drag the box into, I guess, the room that they've designated is going to be the box unveiling room. And Katie says, do you want to come out? And box James removes the top, says, I'm looking for the bachelorette, hops out. And then Katie sort of runs away from him in this moment. And box James is like, can I get a hug? And they have a weird conversation where James says, I love little things and adventure. And Kate, But Katie says there was eye contact. I definitely have a crush on him. So Katie is loading love level one for James. Someone calls him Jay Gatsby. 
Jeff yells, put him back in the box. I think it was Jeff. <laughs> but we get the idea that his box gambit worked. And obviously, we will find out that it did later because he gets a fucking rose. And then portion seven begins with, I believe it's Landon saying, don't leave anything on the table. Tensions are mounting. And that Fimp Rose is still there. Everybody's looking at it. And then we get our one-on-one time with the Catman, Connor B. He has a little piano set up on the ground that they can, like, dance on. And they're playing songs together. She's fucking wearing cat ears and paws. So he brought her the matching fucking tot that she could put on with him. He's fucking killing the game. This is the most successful full body tot on a night one that we've we've literally ever seen. And uh, the other guys are talking about the cat man and the box man. <laughs> I found that fucking hilarious. Yeah, They're like, it's Adventures of Cat Man and Box Man. Yeah, Andrew so back good. in the colorful narration. So good. Oh, fuck. It's um, so fucking funny. And Cat Connor does this great kiss lead-in conversation saying... Watching your season, I hoped it was you. You were amazing. That's what really drew me to you. You build people up instead of tear people down. And he says, you're doing awesome. Like, gives her a grade for how she's doing in that night, which I thought was a great line. And it leads into their makeout. They kiss three times. Or three kissing sessions. He gets fucking cat makeup on her face, on her nose. And, oh, isn't that cute? Now he's got to help her wipe that off. It was fucking incredible. You know, Connor B, Catman, also is a purveyor of shy style a little bit. And I think him and Greg are at some point going to have a shy mm. style off. One of them is going to have to emerge the, sty- the shy Hi, style. Guys. Yeah. One of them is going to have to emerge the shy style champion. I don't know who it's going to be. But this one-on-one time was, it was transcendent. It, it's just, it's so fucking, he's sitting there in a fucking full cat suit with face paint on and she's into it. He read the lead. Yeah, he totally with did. other people, this wouldn't have worked. Yeah. He, We've never seen such a successful taunt. It's a very specialized strategy and he fucking killed it. He also took the cat hat off briefly to show his head. But he puts it back on at the end of their mini date, committing. Michael gets some one-on-one time and says we have something a lot in common. Shows her a picture of his dog, and it's the same name as her cat, Tommy. And she says, wow, it's a long time to spend away from your fur baby, which prompts Michael to play his package, package deal. 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 He has a four-year-old son. Package deal is going to get Michael, I'm going to say, two or three episodes. And then, bye-bye. I think she'll use the strategy to get rid of him. That is, you can't be here anymore. You need to be back home with your son. If I'm not feeling this, Mm -hmm. I can't keep you here anymore. You have a family. I think that's coming in two to three episodes. He has a trump card. His unplayed PTC as a widower. He hints at it here, says that his parents are taking care of the kids, so the mom is not in the picture. I don't think it matters. I think he's going to try and get that PTC out on a group date early on, and it'll be Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm so sorry, but I can't have you here. 
just briefly, right after that one-on-one time, Michael goes back to the guys and they glow him. They tell him he looks smitten and he says, I'm glowing a bit. He glows himself. (laughs) (laughs) And then all the guys are talking about the importance of the femp as it sits on the table. Katie comes into the femp room. She acquires the femp. And of course, she walks right out. Do, Do not, not sit, sit in, in the pimp room. room. This is basic fucking shit, gentlemen. The producers are going to try to put you in there. Get the fuck up. Go out to the fire pit. If you're sitting in a room and you can see the pimp rows, get the fuck out. You're not getting it and you don't want to see her come in, pick it up, and leave the fucking room. That's just going to give you more anxiety. It's just going to throw you off your game more. Don't be anywhere near the pimp ever. If she's going to give it to you, she'll come fucking find you. But she ain't ever giving it to anyone who's sitting in the fucking room with it. It never fucking happens. They need that shot. They love the shot of her grabbing it, all the guys looking hopeful. She walks away. They love the shot of her walking with the rose past guys she's not giving it to. I mean, God. This would have been something interesting she could have done. We've never seen this done. It's experimental lead strategy. You don't pick up the Fimperos. Uh You just find who you're going to give it to, and you say, hey, I'd like to talk to you for a second. And you tell them, hey, I'm giving you the Fimperos. I didn't want to pick it up in front of the guys. I don't want to, like, throw everybody off and, like, make everybody feel like shit, but you're getting my first impression rose, and I'm going to hand it out as the first rose at the rose ceremony. I just wanted you to know so you can not be nervous about it or anything like that. But don't tell the other guys because I just I want everybody to be, to be on equal footing. You take away the power of the fimp that it makes everybody fucking crazy. I like that. Uh, little, did you notice this? Someone tries to give her the jacket when she goes to the group outside to get Greg. And she says no. It was a blocked TG, blocked gentleman. I didn't see that. Oh my God. <laughs> to have your gentleman blocked is fucking rough. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I don't know whose gentleman that was that got but, blocked, but that's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, you <sighs> don't want that. She brings Greg to what he calls our couch and says, What's going on? She says, I appreciate you opening up. I know you're nervous. She likes his shy style. But she feels some. there's something there. Gives him the fimp. Greg, love level ones her. I really feel there's a connection between us. And Katie says, I hope this gives you some validation. Pins him. Greg, can I get a kiss? Gets their first kiss. With consent. Love that. It's, it's just that fuck. He's, he's so strong at shy style. It's fucking incredible. I'm very curious to see what he's going to do for the rest of the game. Like, how is Greg Grippo going to fare in the Naked Cowboy Mud Wrestling date or in the Forced Violence, whatever that fucking weird sport is date, you know? He's going to be on one of them, for sure. Right. They're not going to let a shy style go through the game without violence. (laughs) I mean, just from the promo, I feel like he's the one that she wants and he's going to leave at some point. That's what it seems like. Ooh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. He is coming off very 4TRR with the shy style. His ITM, he says, I can't believe I got this. I can't wait to spend more time with her. I'm so in it. Let's do it. And, uh, right after that ITM, Trey says, 
kudos to him for whatever he did. Referring to Greg getting the fimp. This is uh-huh. like an athlete who just got beat at something, like a hitter who got struck out by a pitcher, somebody who just lost a fight, basically saying to the opponent, the best man won today, and it wasn't me. It's like kudos to them. They beat me, but I respect the mm-hmm. strategy. I respect the game. Trey obviously doesn't know about shy style, or maybe he does, but I don't think he knows that Greg is playing shy style right now. At any rate, uh, I loved that moment. I just love these little moments when the sport seeps through and they put it in the document for us. It's fucking fantastic. And then a moment happened. And when I was watching it on my internet, not on my hotspot, I thought Clues is going to be very sad. Caitlin Bristow, Tasha Adams enter the cocktail party to signal that it's over. No, no, no. It was heartbreaking. I'll be honest. The <laughs> Tings are the final buzzer. They sick the Tings, by the way, are what Chris Harrison used to do. He would come in at this moment of every night one. He comes in at this moment during every cocktail party, and he has a champagne flute and he has a silver knife. He brings knife to glass. Ting ting ting. There are variants on the ting ting ting. Sometimes it's four, five, three, whatever. But it's always the formal signifier that standard play is over here bristow and tasha come in and just basically say okay guys it's time for the restroom <laughs> and that's it you don't get any tings there's no formality to it it just for me it fell flat i don't need them to do tings but i need something to signify standard play is over they need to have something in there this this moment mm-hmm. felt bare to me in a bad way you need the tings or something like it it, I agree. This was, this was the only moment of the episode where I was like, "Oh no, it's not the same." <laughs> I agree. And then I'm wondering, why didn't they ting? Is it that the show, the producers are like, "We want to get rid of the tings," or is there something that Dark Lord still holds power over? And is it the tings? Is that somehow trademarked to him? Is that somehow contractually only available to him? The ting clause. Could be a ting clause in his contract. We know JoJo Fletcher came in to stand in for an episode on last season of Bachelorette, and she didn't ting. Now, she actually did. They just didn't put it in the show, but she tinged. She did a quad ting, and it wasn't good, but it happened. Do you think they didn't have him do it because JoJo's ting was so bad? No, I think it's be, it's a dual host thing. I think it's the same thing with the FIMP. They're like, how do we do it? Like, do they both ting? Does one of them ting and the other one just mm-hmm. stands there? I think it's like they can't quite figure out how to do it with two people. That would be my guess. I don't know. This part was, it was sad to me. But the rest of it I really liked. <laughs> and then we go to the next portion. The guys all stand on the risers at the rose ceremony. The roses are on their pedestal and Katie walks in. There are no hosts present. Usually at this moment, Dark Lord Harrison would be here to help the lead come in and kind of give them a, okay, go ahead type thing. Katie thanks all the guys for coming, says that it means everything to her, that they're all there. And she says tonight was hard for her to make these decisions. The only thing wrong with that statement is she didn't make these decisions. The producers have decided literally the order of everybody that's about to be given a rose or eliminated. But... 
this is why she's so great. She delivers that just completely fluidly. It is a 100% lie, but it must be told. That is the nature of the game. We must believe she is there for TRR and that she has complete dominion over everything that happens, at least in terms of who is staying and who is going. That she is actually wanting to pursue relationships with the 23 men remaining. Which is not true. She wants to pursue a relationship you with like she really three of them, maybe. Captain Volcano? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> fucked her on Captain Volcano. <laughs> no. I mean, we know this. All the leads have like a top two or three, and those are the people that they have like any kind of genuine romantic interest in. Everybody else is just however the producers want to shuffle it. This speech was was up there probably in my top two katie thurston moments of this episode number one was her air humping after um <laughs> who was it who did she do the air humping after? oh, oh courtney uh-huh. like her air humping the air towards caitlin bristow and tasha adams inside after yep. courtney's poem that was about sex and the letter q yeah this was my favorite Katie Thurston moment. Um, it just came, like I said in the beginning, it just came off so for TRR, her being like, if your name is not called, it's nothing to do with you as a person. You're just not the person for me. And never have I believed that sentiment in one of these speeches as much as I did with this. No, um, I totally agree. She's a fantastic performer. But this, the performance she's turning in is a bachelorette performance it is a very specific thing you have to hit all these notes of praising the process seeming for trr seeming like you're in control of all this shit and she's doing it all it i mean it's fucking magical to watch this and it feels like she's been as we now know training for a long time i'm sure that by now we have all seen the thing she posted on instagram that is her dms to caitlin bristow when caitlin bristow was bachelorette she has been watching and studying this game at least since Caitlin Bristow's season of Bachelorette back in whatever <laughs> that was, 2015, 2016. Yeah, that DM was from 2016. But then we get into the rose ceremony. Trey gets first flower. First flower. Congratulations wow. to him. That is the first flower given out in a rose ceremony. And night one, first flower holds a lot of good statistical advantages. So I'm expecting a deep, deep run from Trey. And then we just get... A smattering of everybody else all the way down to after they give out the 21st flower to Hunter, they build this weird tension with Cody saying that he wants a rose and he feels like if he doesn't get it, he's going to be a failure. And we obviously know they're building a rivalry with him and Aaron, so there is no actual mystery here. The fact that they're trying to build in this thing of like, is he going to get a rose or not is just absurd. Of course he's getting a fucking rose. We knew that as soon as him and Aaron got into the fight. And of course, he gets the 22nd flower. But not before Tasha and Caitlin emerge to render one final duty that we usually see the Dark Lord doing. They might not have given these two co-hosts tings, but they did give Caitlin Bristow the, the dark, dark, touch. dark touch. Usually... When Dark Lord Harrison would come out, he would say, this is the final rose, gentlemen, ladies, whatever. And he would place his hand on the small of the back of the lead and say, lead whenever you're ready. Here, Caitlin Bristow delivers it. And I don't know, did the producers say who's going to deliver the dark touch? Does Tasha get to deliver it next week? I don't know how we're going to do this, but I, I fucking loved it. 
I don't know. I was like, <laughs> this is the moment where I felt the opposite of the missing things. I was like, Clues is going to love this. A Bristow dark touch. I mean. <laughs> Not only did Bristow give a dark touch, then after they're done, Tasha says, gentlemen, unfortunately, if you did not receive a rose tonight, please say your goodbyes. This is a variation of the Tamsig. Dark Lord Harrison used to say, take a moment, say your goodbyes. Here it's, please say your goodbyes. So she varied it a little bit, but they have basically split up his final duties of every episode into Caitlin Bristow's dark touch into Tasha's version of the Tamsig. So we at least get those structural components still maintained here, even with our new hosts. And that means seven players were sent back home without receiving even a single rose. These tragic figures are known as Night One guys. And here now, we will speak your name so that they will be remembered for all time echoing through the halls of our beloved game. Jeff, a.k.a. Captain Volcano. Captain Volcano, we speak your name. Mineral Marty. <laughs> Mineral Marty, <laughs> we speak your name. Weird Hug Gabriel. Weird Hug Gabriel, we speak your name. Moped Brandon. Moped Brandon, we speak your name. Marcus. Marcus, we speak your name. <laughs> For Instagram post, Austin. <laughs> Austin did such a fucking scrub of that Instagram. He was scrubbing up until the last fucking possible second. Austin, we speak your name. And Landon, a.k.a. Mr. Sunshine. Mr. Sunshine, we had high hopes for you, but now we must speak your name. Thank you to all seven Night One guys for your suffering, and we hope to see you in paradise. That is still not out of the cards for you. But those that remain at this point, clap and cheer, and Katie brings them in for a tight cheers. She literally says the phrase, you all survived the first night. And that reminds me of a chapter in our upcoming book, How to Win the Bachelor, which is called Surviving Night One. <laughs> She's literally using the phrase survive. I mean, it is a game, obviously. It's Hunger Games in this case. Fuck. They cheers to love. And then the narrator comes back to remind us to wait for the highlights. And we get the final portion after commercial, which includes... More voiceover by this new narrator, and we see a bunch of clips coming from the next season. Naked cowboys, dune buggies, vibrators, nudity, champagne, Ooh, football, geez. Wells Adams, Blake Moines, waxing, Nick Vial, kisses, forced hoojus, ambulance, the virgin crying, and we get in the end. I am done, I am done, I am done. Call me a flight, I'm out of here. This is our fence jump moment. I'm telling you, we're going to see that in oh, every... Someone booked my fucking flight home. Yeah, that's what is it that is. Right? That is what it is. <laughs> but that's something we're going to see in every promo. That's the moment we're going to be waiting for. What leads up to that? What could possibly make Katie Thurston want to throw away the crown? The answer is nothing. This is, once again, just a fabulous performance from her and I can't wait to see how it all comes out she really is I think 
going to go down in history as the best bachelorette. I, I sincerely oh, think it's shit. true. I know. Look, I loved this episode. I can't wait to see what is to come. But she's definitely extremely charismatic, comes off very for TRR, this sort of goofy, free spirit. I mean, she's got jokes, and that's fun to watch, as opposed to just, I have feelings for this person, I'm falling for this person, etc. Yeah, usually the lead is just kind of there to facilitate players making plays. I do not get that sense from her. This is going to be a very interesting season. And uh, this night one was fucking, I don't know, it was entertaining. I really enjoyed it, and I'm very, very excited to continue this coverage. By the way, in the tag, Council of Crowns, Caitlin and Tasha are showing, are trying to open a bottle of champagne with Thurston, and Tasha says, Bachelorette rule number one, know how to pop champagne. Bristow says, rule number two, have toasts ready. I mean, look, we have developed that as a great strategy to have in part because of her play on Chris Souls this season when she jumped in on all the toasts and had a bunch of great toasts ready. So not surprised, but to hear it out loud said in that way, it's beautiful. Who was your MVP? My M M M M V P was Connor B. Oh, I mean, this to me was. I mean, maybe there's an argument for Grippo because he got the fimp. I loved what Justin did. He had my play of the game. I love Andrew's colorful narrator game. But this cat taught, complete with so many details in which this man had, I don't know if he has a cat. I think he does have a cat. Him doing the licking of the paws. Every single moment of the taught was acted out like a cat. And we've seen that before. We saw this with the sloth. But this was germane to Katie Thurston. It was something that she's obsessed with. She's posting about cats almost every day. To not include anything about cats, it just is a mistake. And he leans into it so hard. Then he has that cute piano mini date where they make out. He's giving her complos. He's covering her face with face paint. She doesn't even care. That's how good he's playing. She forgets about all the limo exits when when she's asked about it at the end. She's just like, I can't stop thinking about the cat guy. And it's like, yeah, you've stolen the show. And I think he is also extremely well prepared. I can't wait to see that ukulele come out. Um, I I really regret not putting him in my final four, to be honest. I think he's going to go really far. He is in my final four, just FYI. I know. <laughs> he was not my MVP, though. It was close. I wanted to give it to him. I wanted to give it to Trey. But instead, mm-hmm. Greg Grippo was my... MMMMMVP. 
I just have never seen Shy Style played this well to get an <laughs> extreme 4TRR disposition that garnered him a FIMP. He didn't do anything. He fucking did a Blandy. He fucking just had a couple of conversations. This is Nick Vial level manipulation. You think he's a manipulator? That's the whole game. Yeah, of course. He may actually like her. I don't know. But he's manipulated her to get that first impression, Rose. Manipulation is just forcing someone's action to be beneficial for you. That's all he's doing. I'm not saying it in a bad way. But he got the FIMP. By doing what? Mm -hmm. Subtle micro-movements in the way he's talking. It's the way he's kind of like looking at her in a bashful way. It's the way that he has an understated tone in his voice. It's shy style. As I said, he's just playing it at a level we've never really seen in Bachelorette before. And to me, that's MVP worthy. And, you know, it's hard, like, whatever. You're going to give the MVP to whoever has kind of a standout performance in the night. Certainly, if you get the FIMP, mm -hmm. you're one of those people. You're at least in contention for it. So I don't think it's like a weird thing to give him MVP. But I'm curious to see how he's going to take Shy Style and if he's going to, at some point, be forced out of it. Is he going to be forced to like kind of stand up for himself and have a maybe an aggressive defense to somebody threatening his shy style technique? I don't know. But tonight, it worked like fucking gangbusters. Congratulations, Greg Grippo. You got my MVP. Yeah. I think our two MVPs had very, very different styles, very different tactics, and both of them were successful. You have Greg doing the least and mm -hmm. Connor B doing the most. Yeah. I'm curious. Oh, God, I can't wait to see how this plays out. <sighs> but that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming on this ride as we broke down for you night one of season 17 of The Bachelorette. Historic times ahead. This was a long one, but still, in 48 short hours, we're going to be coming right back to you with this week in Bachelor Nation, where we're going to be breaking down. Everything that happened in Bachelor Nation news this week. We're going to be breaking down all of the parasocial plays that a bunch of different players have been making, including Katie Thurston's astounding play of posting those DMs to Caitlin Bristow. And we are, of course, going to be giving you this week in gains. We're going to be talking about all of the players from this season that you just watched tonight. We're going to be talking about which among them has gotten the biggest Instagram boost because of their performances that we just watched. And we're going to be talking about the ratings of this season. Is it a success? Is it a failure? We will know very soon. We were so excited for this season. And I feel like watching it, I'm even more excited for it, which I didn't think would be possible. <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm nervous. Maybe I'm just doing some shy style myself. <laughs> You're just playing shy style <laughs> by talk. yourself, to yourself. <laughs> You're manipulating yourself yeah, into a Fimpros. <laughs> sure. And we also have some very big news. Something incredibly exciting is going to happen tomorrow. Pace Case and I had the absolute pleasure of going on Bachelors in the City. That is Pilot Pete Weber and Dustin Kendrick's podcast. We got to go on there and break down their rookie season, season 15 of The Bachelorette. We had a blast. We hope that you guys listen to that. It is 
I think the best thing that we have maybe done, it certainly was one of the most fun things that we've ever done in service of our podcast. So please check out Bachelors in the City tomorrow. We're going to be on there breaking down that season 15, all the different plays that Pilot Pete made, all the different plays that Dustin Kedrick made. And we just had an amazing time with them. So please check out Bachelors in the City tomorrow. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us. And of course, before we go, as always, what is the Dwab at? It has been 7,016 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven day routine tighter skin or your money back get a 15 percent discount code by using the discount code game that's fiber skincare sweaters candles the dreaded bathrobe unfortunately mother's day gifts can be a little predictable and boring that's why an aura frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things. (laughs) <laughs> and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. 
She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.